Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the Albert Breer Show special edition from Tampa, Florida, from Super Bowl 55. We've got a little bit of a different feel to the show today. We are going to conduct a general manager roundtable. That's right. Jason Light from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Brett Veach from the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to come in and give us their insights on being general managers in this spot in this year um, in the Super Bowl. We're also going to talk to the two of them but how in a certain way they came up together and who they came up under. Both these guys came up under Chiefs coach Andy Reid, who has himself a little bit of a general manager tree brewing across the NFL. We'll talk a lot about what Andy gave to them as young scouts coming up. Let's roll. All right, and I'm really looking forward to doing this because uh, this is the sort of thing. We actually did one of these with Brett earlier in the year and um, just kind of good to get these sorts of guys in, um, guys who have such a huge piece of the whole process of getting teams to this to this point. Um, we are now four days out as we're recording this from Super Bowl 55, and we have the two general managers on the line from the Super Bowl teams, from the Kansas City Chiefs, Brett Veach, and from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jason Light. Uh, guys, this is like, I know you guys have both been to this point before. Like, obviously, Brett, you were here last year. I think you guys both made it at, at one point with the Eagles, right? And, um, and Jason, you were there with the Patriots, but this got to be really, really weird. I see it right now. We can, we're on the Zoom and you guys are sitting in your offices. It's just really strange, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a little different. I'm sorry, Brett. I, I didn't know if you were chiming in there. Um, it is definitely different in, that, you know, there's not the crowds of people descending on the city, um, the radio row, um, all the media is a lot different. We've kind of, I'm sure I, I don't want to speak for Brett, but we've kind of gotten used to these Zoom interviews now and things like that. So I think we're just here and I'm sure Kansas City's Brett's the same way. We're just so focused on the game that you kind of put it out of your head and you, you realize it's, you realize it is a little different, but at the same time, we are able to focus a little bit more than we probably would normally in a normal year. 
Yeah, Brett, you were here last year. I mean, like, how different is this from, like, if you could look back to Wednesday last year in Miami, how different is this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly different. And, um, you know, I know the coaches love it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to speak for Jason, but, you know, having that experience last year, you know, the cool part about last year's experience was um, you weren't cooped up in your office listening to uh, all the analysts talk about the game. That, that stuff drives you nuts. Uh, you know, when you're there during a normal Super Bowl week, you have so much stuff going on where you kind of can get away from, um, you know, all the talk and just do stuff with your family and do stuff, um, you know, with your with your staff. So certainly miss that. But, you know, on, on a taking a step back on a, on a broader stage, just obviously extremely fortunate that we had a season and we we're able to to get to where we are. And obviously it's going to be an unbelievable game on Sunday. So uh, looking forward to that. So uh, in the grand scheme of things, we're lucky, but it's certainly different. Okay, so we're going to get into one of the reasons I want to have these guys on. I want to talk to them a little bit about Andy Reid. But before we get there, I, I want to ask you guys this, too, because I think this, this is sort of interesting just because, like, the hay is sort of in the barn for you guys, right? Like, a lot of your job is done. The teams are built. You're putting them out there. Um, what's it like being a general manager going into a Super Bowl? Because you're not game planning like a coach is, right? Like, you're not preparing like a player is. I mean, a lot of your peers right now are in draft meetings and free agent meetings and all of that stuff. So um, for a general manager, if you guys can kind of tell the, tell, tell the listeners, what is, what is this like, you know, the four days, four days out from the Super Bowl where, again, like sort of your job's done in the haze in the barn? Well, I don't <laughs> – Brett will say the same exact thing. Our, well, maybe in terms of this season, in terms of the game and – the players that are playing in the game, the haze in the barn, we've done all the work to assemble our teams um, with our staffs, but <laughs> the, the, we're about to be hit with uh, a rush of, of job of things that we have to do as soon as the season's over. And, and, you know, you know that your uh, contemporaries and other clubs are getting a head start. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to do as soon as, as soon as this game's over, it's not like we're going to be able to go take a two week vacation um, you know, we have a lot of contracts that are up on and coaching and personnel and uh, plans we have to do uh, make and uh, I have to catch up on draft meetings uh, with with my staff that they've been having. So there's a little bit of an uneasy feeling that you're not able to do those things. I wouldn't want to change it. Don't get me wrong. Love that we're in this situation, but it'll be interesting to hear what Brett has to say since he's been through it last year and this is going to his second consecutive Super Bowl here. Well, well um, you know, listen, we're just trying to, to you know, stay occupied. And it, it, it is hard, um, you know, pretty much this week I, I've been watching the Senior Bowl and, and just trying to catch up. Like Jason said, you know, you're playing catch up and, and you're, you know, you're certainly excited to be in this position. Um, but, you know, as soon as that game ends on Sunday, you know, and I, and I know Jason very well, he'll be in the same mindset, you know, win or lose, we'll both be probably watching tape on Monday or Tuesday and getting ready uh, for the draft for free agency. So, um, you know, just trying to be uh, effective with this extra time and, you know, watching some, some senior bowl stuff and, and looking, looking at some of the UFA stuff that, you know, we, we had meetings in December, but just kind of going over that and trying to put together a plan. We still don't know what the cap's going to be. It could be anywhere from 175 to 195. So we're trying to take a stab at that, but, um, you know, all those things are, are beneficial this week because it helps kind of take your mind off the game. But like you mentioned, Albert, um, as far as this season goes, um, you know, we 
um, not much we can do and other than keep our players healthy and, and, and avoid positive tests, but um, really just looking forward as much as you can and, and trying to occupy this, this dead time for us. Yeah, and you guys had an interesting week as far as that goes with the close contacts and everything, huh, Brett? Like, it's just, it's got to be like, I mean, I'd imagine it's nerve-wracking too, just yeah. like the possibility that something can happen. You know, even with something is like like a barber, you know what I mean? Like, even something like it's kind of like on the periphery is that. Yeah, I mean, you, you wake up every morning, and I, I'm sure Jason's the same way, and I'm, I'm just looking for, you know, alerts from Rick Burkholder, texts from Rick Burkholder, um, you know, whether they be positives or close contacts. So it's... uh. Um, the first thing you kind of roll out of bed and just go right to your phone and, and hope that you don't get a message from Rick. Cause you know, if he's texting you at five, six AM, it's not good. Uh, so, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what's on your phone. As long as you don't see a message from Rick, then it's a good day. I I'm the same way with Bobby Slater, but, but Brett, how, how bad is that split second when they text you, but it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Uh, you're like, Oh man, what? If, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He'll give you the, uh, the, no, the worst is the call me quick. You know, oh yeah, and you're like dropping everything. You're sprinting down there. You know, got the mask on, got the whole hazmat suit running down there, and then oh, I just wanted to know if you were cool with this flight arrangement. I'm like, what? <laughs> See, I would think that's even worse at the call me quick because that means it's yeah. really bad because he wants to tell you in person, right? Yeah, like, I, don't want, <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want this over the text. Yeah, the call me yeah. quick the worst messages you can get for sure. Uh, okay, um, go ahead, Jason. No, I was just in agreement. Okay, okay, so. A lot of people don't know this, but you guys are actually ex-coworkers. So, I, like, part of the idea here was kind of to talk about Andy Reid and the the impact that that he had on both of you guys, and kind of how he's been able to be. I mean, he's almost got like a personnel tree now. Like, you look at some of the guys that have come out of there: um, Howie Roseman, Ryan Grigson, the late Tom Heckert were all GMs. Um, you know, in Kansas City now, Chris Ballard's an alum of, of that Chiefs program. Obviously, John Dorsey out of there too um, had gone to Cleveland. Um, so I want you to start with a simple question. Do you guys remember each other from then? Like, did you guys know each other? Like, cause I, I know you were just starting out, right, Brett? No, and you we were, know you, we know each other very well. I learned no, a no, lot. No, yeah. No, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. But did you know him back then? Like when you were the coaching intern, when you guys were together in Philly, did you guys know each other then? Oh yeah. You oh did? yeah. Knew, knew each other. Well, uh, uh, Brett has, what year was your first year, Brett? Oh, shoot. It was like 06 or 07 or something like that. And um, I'm sure I wore Jason out. Uh, always. <laughs> I was in Jason's office a ton. And, but go ahead. Was, I didn't want to cut you off there. It was great. I was, uh, at the time, I was, uh, worked under Heckert as, you know, in the personnel department, as the personnel director. And Brett was a coaching assistant for Andy, which, which he has a significant tree in that position as well. Sean McDermott, uh, uh, Brett is the GM. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting about John the, Harbaugh, Ron Rivera. Yeah, as yeah. the coaching assistant. Oh, the coaching assistant. The actual that actual role. Right. I think Kevin Stefanski was in that role at once. He was an operations we, assistant. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So Andy's always had a good eye for for that position, and I'm not just trying to blow smoke up Brett's here uh, ass here, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so Brett would was is always was always very eager to to get his hands on work just to work. And he loved evaluating players and he spent probably more time with Andy than we did um, watching tape. Now we spent a lot of time watching tape with Andy, but when we would, you know, break and go to our own offices to watch, Andy would go into his office and Brett would go with him and they would watch tape together. So Brett came in, he'd have a thousand questions a day. What do you think of this guy? What do you think of this guy? What do you think of this guy? And he was really at that point, he was grooming his, Andy was grooming him unintentionally maybe to, uh, to become 
the, the position that he's at right now. He was always a very good evaluator. We had a lot of arguments too over players and he loved to argue. It wasn't some, he wasn't somebody where I could say, no, I think you're wrong. I, I, I this is, I like this guy. Why, why do you like him? Did you watch a UTEP game? Why? why? <laughs> <laughs> well, and Brett, you didn't like, you didn't even know you were going to be a scout at that point. Like you still thought you probably coach right at that point. Yeah, no. Um, you know, the, the cool thing, and I'm, I'm probably jumping the gun here cause I know we're going to talk about Andy, but the cool thing about working for coach is, um, you know, he's got no ego. So, you know, it doesn't matter if, um, uh, if you're uh, a head coach, um, you know, from another team with an idea or opinion, or if you're his corner coordinator, his GM, like, or if you're a first level first year intern or assistant, like coach has no ego and he doesn't think he has all the answers and he wants to learn. And, um, he thinks he can get information from everywhere. But so when you have that guy at the top of the organization with that mindset, it trickles down. So people like Jason had that mindset too. So, you know, I think back that back to my time in Philly and, you know, I was always in Jason's office and it could have been so easy for Jason to be like, you know, all right, dude, like you're annoying me. Um, Jason always <laughs> had his door open for me and, you know, he was so, you know, influential in my career because, um, you know, just learning the game, you, you know, in all different aspects, I knew nothing about scouting. I mean, watching tape is, is just a very small part. I mean, the, you know, the roster composition and, and broad term thinking um, my first, and I can say this honestly, like my first exposure to the actual scouting process was in Jason Light's office. And, and, you know, with a, where I used to sit, he was right down the hall. And as Jason would mention, I, I would stop down there all the time. And, and, you know, I was just trying to accumulate as much uh, knowledge as I could. So, um, you know, Jason's been very influential in that regard. So to see him go on and become a GM and have the success he has isn't a surprise because I saw it every day when he was working in Philadelphia, just how talented he was. So um, I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful that I didn't annoy the hell out of him and, and he <laughs> put up with me. So, um, but, you know. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sure. no, I'm sure. But, but, you know, that goes to like, you know, the way coach kind of handles his people in the building. Um, you know, he's always open. And, you know, like I said, if you're a coordinator, you can come in and talk to him. But if you're a first year assistant to the head coach, you can talk to him. Um, he operates with that mindset. And then the people that work for him kind of incorporate that mindset. And Jason was very much like that. I mean, Jason never closed his doors. Jason never said, I, I don't have time or I'm not going to coach you up. Very opening, very accommodating to me. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, to work in that environment and have the experience I had with him. So, Jason, was there a point where he went from like overeager, maybe a little annoying kid to like, oh, we maybe have, maybe we have something here. Like maybe, maybe he's got something. Never thought annoying. I was just joking. <laughs> he, um, he, you know, most days. Most days. <laughs> he was very talented from the, from the onset. And, you know, I remember thinking, you know, I, it took me a while to get to that position. And, um, you know, like to pride, like we all do pride ourselves in our evaluation skills. And here's this first year kid coming in as a coaching assistant. And he's, he's looking at three games on a player and, and in my mind had him right. And I think, damn, <laughs> he's very talented. Um, and it's, it's no surprise to any of us that know him that he is in the position that he's in and he's, you guys are doing a hell of a job, man. Do you, do you remember when he got right, Jason? Like, can you remember one? Like, is there one that sticks out where you were like, shit, he got oh, it? Like, oh, he was he was a big fan of Deshaun Jackson. I, that's that's my uh, my after I left after that year. So mm -hmm. that was the first year I think that we were together. Um, he was he was banging on the table for for him. 
He's got um, a lot of guys. You got a, a lot of guys like Deshaun now there, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, the, cool, the cool thing is, and, and uh, yeah, you know, we always talk about the guys that we got right, but you know, we get a lot wrong, oh. you know, and and we try to bury those stories and, and, and you know, uh, reports, I should say, and pretend they don't exist. And I mean, it's a tough business, and and um, you know, certainly when you have success and and you know, um, you're able to to bring a player in and and, and that player do well. Um, you know, it's it's a good thing when when stories like that are reported. But um, you know, listen, there's been a lot of growing pains. You know, with me as an evaluator, and I continue to learn and, and adapt and adjust. And you know, one of the things that I do is I look at other roster, and I'm sure Jason is the same thing. Other rosters and, and people that I respect, and I mean, Tampa Bay's. There there are a few teams. I I always feel like Seattle and Tampa Bay. I'm always looking to kind of see who they draft because it's almost like every year those guys like the same players that I like. And mm-hmm. I think it's you know it's uh, sure in large part. Um, you know, having that experience with Jason and kind of at the ground level, kind of forming the same ideas and broad concepts as Jason. But every year I, I always kind of joke with my staff that, you know, Tampa's board, the way they pick players and the guys they like, very similar to ours. And that's no surprise. Okay. So let's get into Andy then. Um, Jason, like, you know, you look at like your experience there and, and you, you jumped around a lot. Like you, you worked in Arizona. I think you were under both Rod and, uh, and Steve there, right? Obviously you worked under Bill and, and Scott in New England. Um, and then later Nick, um, what is it about Andy? Like, like when you look at the way your team is made up now, um, you know, what do you make of like, like, what do you make of your years with Andy? Where do you think like Andy's markings are on your roster right now? Well, Andy, obviously he's a phenomenal coach, um, hall of fame worthy coach, and he's always been a great coach, but I think some of the biggest thing takeaways I've had from him, he's just a, a unbelievable leader. And you can see that in the way he leads his team. You can see that the way he leads them on game day, practice locker room, but just even in, in the hallways with um, his assistant coaches with, you know, with his, even all the way down to interns, it's he's quick to give praise out to publicly to people that have done good things, but he is also quick to to take the bullet when things aren't going well. And people recognize that. I think he, he does that naturally. He means it. He's very genuine with it. But as he can be intimidating is probably the wrong word, but he, he can be, I mean, he can be tough, mm-hmm. he can be tough on people when they deserve it. But one of the things that I loved about Andy is when he would just, and Brett, when you were in that role, you could probably attest to this, when he would just like walk into your office, sit down on a, a chair in your office and just want to just talk and just tell stories and wouldn't do it for a long time, but he did it when he, he can sense when you need it. He can sense when you maybe need to relieve some tension and he knows how to draw the, or, or get you to talk just about, Hey, you ever drink a beer on the beach? You know, uh, have you ever, uh, when the sun's going down, man, that's the best cool. Uh, you know, I don't drink, but man, sitting there and I remember when I was 17, you know, just tell stories and sounds like you're talking to a surfer dude from California, which at, at heart he is. So like, what do you like as a scout then like Brett, like, what do you think? Like, you know, obviously I think you guys all have, as you're coming up in the scouting world, like GMs that you look up to, right? Like, and guys that you kind of try to model yourself after, like, how does a coach affect you? Like, cause obviously that's a little different. His job description is way different than the job that you're trying to get. 
um, like, and both you guys can answer this. Like, like, what sort of like impact do you think Andy has on scouts, and and how does he try to involve himself with you guys at the ground floor? Um, you know, as much as he might talk to his offensive coordinator, or his quarterbacks coach, or his linebackers coach. Well, I mean, he's you know he's the head of the organization, and, and you know the the face of our organization, and you know you're going to model um, how you handle your staff. Um, very similar to coach and, you know, to, to Jason's point, just his accessibility and, you know, for a guy that has uh, accomplished so much and has won so much um, for him to always be pump, you know, popping into other people's office to try and get ideas and to get his mind stimulated. Um, here's a guy that's kind of done everything and it'd be very easy for him to kind of operate with the mindset of, I have everything figured out. I, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this a lot a long time so for him to operate with that mindset of always you know wanting to see what other people can bring to the organization always looking for ways to you know to get the thought process stimulated um always knowing that it doesn't matter if you know you've been doing it for 20 years or, or two years if you're smart you work hard and you have some good ideas i want to hear them um it's a trickle-down effect so you know that's that's why jason put up with me i, I think you know you kind of understand that like if, if coach is going to listen and the Hall of Fame coach, all he's doing is he's going to listen to or wants to give an intern the time of day and wants to kind of pick his brain a little. Um, then, you know, and he's had that kind of success, then, you know, why wouldn't I operate like that? So, you know, when I have, um, you know, whether it be scouts I'm with every single day that they've been doing it for years or, or newer people, I mean, they're always going to bring something different to the table. So I think just operating with an open mindset and, and letting people, coach always says this, you know, let your personality show. So letting people, on your staff, letting them be who they are. Um, I mean, you still have to work within a, a framework, right? But um, but within that framework, just letting them be who they are and, and letting them demonstrate to you their talents on an everyday basis. I think when you see Andy and the way he incorporates that, I think it's just kind of a trickle-down effect to the rest of the building. And Jason, that's culture, right? That's call. I mean, that's what that is, right? That's, that's organization. Like, I think what Brett just described, that's organizational culture, right? No, no doubt, no doubt. And he's phenomenal at that. And I've spent five years with him, not as much as, as Brett, but you can feel that culture. And it didn't take him long in Kansas City to, for those guys to, and I know Brett went with him, um, it, it didn't take him long to instill that. You can just see the way they play, the way they draft, the way they sign players, their decision-making. Um, it all stems from just the culture. And, and he's, the be- he's one of the best at instilling that culture. I, I just just going to add, there's one thing that I always remember uh, Andy saying, and it stays with me to this day, is through this, in this business, we have a lot of, you know, there's peaks and valleys. And over the last few years, we've had a lot more valleys than peaks. But every day, there could be something, you know, difficult, some challenges or a bad day, something bad happened, whether it's injury or whatnot. And Andy used to always say, when things were bad, whether it's the off season or the season, He'd say, hey, you know, just go to bed, wake up tomorrow. It's always better. <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> he's right. You know, just hey, go to bed, get, get some sleep, wake up. It's going to be better tomorrow. So it's not going to be solved, but it's just it's gonna be better. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it's so. What was it like for you guys in that at that point? Then, like you know, when you guys were together there, and, and I look at the again, like you look at the group that you guys had. Obviously, Joe was there at the time. Howie, uh, Ryan Grigson, Tom Heckert, Scott Cohen interviewed or was on the interview list for the Texans GM job. He's obviously with John Harbaugh now. Um, you know, in 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 Baltimore, like what was the what, what was it like um, among all of you guys? Did you guys know that like how good a group that was at the time, Jason? Well, I think I think we all everybody knew that there was a lot of talent on that staff. Yeah, it's hard to say back then if I felt like I mean we all probably felt like you know that we were that we had that we were talented or we all thought everyone else was talented. It's hard to go back now and think that we knew that this we'd have that much of a pipeline that Andy would have that much of a pipeline of of talented executives. But uh, you know, I, Brett can probably he was looking at it through a little bit different lens. He was seeing it from, uh, you know, he was working in coaching and, but hanging around us. Um, I, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that Matt Russell is one. I knew that Ryan Grigson was, you know, mm-hmm. at some point was going to get his shot and just all the guys, I knew that everybody would get their shot. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, from my standpoint, uh, just getting in and, and being new to the whole, um, personnel world, um, I just knew that these guys are really smart and knew the game and I just had to be around them as much as I could because it's one of those things where, you know, you think, you know, the game until you, you know, uh, you hang out with Jason light and you realize I don't know as much as I thought. I did, right. So no, you know, coming. did you have that moment though, Brett? Did you have that moment? Did you have that moment? I mean, you know, you, you have, again, this is like, more of when you're first getting in and you know you're you're just watching a player but how that player fits and the cap and the roster development all those kind of things like so i'm going in there and i'm just telling jason about a specific player but um you know to leave there after many many conversations and realize wow there's a lot more to this than just watching a player and saying i like him better than him like there's a lot it's very mm-hmm. complex so um you know i didn't at that time i didn't know who was going to go on and do great things. I just knew that I was surrounded by some really smart people uh, that, that know what they're doing. And, um, you know, just feeling like I was very fortunate to, to be in that type of environment. Well, if I, if I impressed you, I must've, the stars must have been, been aligned. I, you must've caught me at the right exact time. You, you, you didn't catch me on all the mistakes I've made. So the, um, who is uh, the, um, I'm, I'm thinking now and and i hate to do this because we're you know we're on a podcast but um um matt forte i remember jason loved loved him and, and you know i remember watching him and kind of you know jason gave a story where like if, if i mentioned a guy he i remember like watching matt forte and being like yeah and jason's like this guy is like the next sean alexander i still remember that conversation it's like this guy's a good player he reminds me on Alexander and I was like I don't really see that and then like his rookie year he's running all over the place I was like damn you know yeah there it is so and you know that one I know is true because that, that one always sticks with me so we remember stories like that but but um but it's probably know. good to like it's probably good that you're having the like like when you're young like when you're coming up like that that's probably great to have those conversations because you probably like start to see holes and like what right like I would think like like Brett like you start to okay like what did I miss now you're looking for something else right like and being yeah. around other good people probably helped you guys that way right yeah there's no question yeah I think when when you play the game and you know you're watching it you you know if you're not in the business and if you haven't worked in the business you just kind of look at it through your lens and your eyes only and you know when you're surrounded by people that are really good at what they do and they see things differently um you, you realize that um, 
you know, roster composition is, is a very complex and diverse thing. And that if you're looking at thing in only, you know, in your, through your eyes, then, you know, you're going to be wrong more often than not. And that's why it's a collaborative effort. And that's why Jason has a great staff with him. And, and, and look, you know, our staffs make us look good. And I have a bunch of great people here from my cap guys to people in my personnel department. I mean, there's a lot of times that, you know, we end up with players that, you know, maybe when the whole process started, we were on opposite ends of the spectrum, but you, you know, you know, they give some, you give some. And I think that's our job is to, and this goes back to Coach Toe. Our, our ultimate job is to make sure that we're always doing what's best for the organization. So, um, you know, if we're wrong, you know, being able to admit that, all right, listen, you know, after doing a little bit more work and seeing things through your lenses, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, no, I still like this guy. Man. No, like, you, you know, there's enough time and, and enough tape out there that, you know, we have plenty. I always tell the guys, we have plenty of time to make mistakes. So um, let's all get on board. But, um, but no, I mean, you know, and that's the thing that you get from coach too, that, you know, being able to, to sit in a, in a collaborative process and understand that um, you take in all the information, you balance it and you weigh it, and then you, you just go ahead and, and make the decision that you think is best. But it's not solely my decision. It's not Jason's decision. I, I know because I know how Jason runs his department. I mean, you know, the people that we have working with us, you know, they, they have, you know, a big say in what we do. And that's why we've both been successful. I feel like Brett is pulling the Lou Holtz on me. We're playing this week, and he always talked up the opponent so much. <laughs> no, it, it, no, no, listen, I, it, there's no surprise we're playing Tampa Bay. You know, um, you know. Brett, when, go, when did you first? I remember. I just I got to Philly in '03, and spent. I was there for about six or seven months, and really, I mean, got to know Andy a little bit, but you know, we didn't have that real personal bond yet that he has with all of his people that works because I hadn't been there that long. And I remember one night he came by, I'm trying to think of the name of the restaurants on front street, that Italian restaurant that he oh, liked. Yeah. I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. I, can't I know what you mean. But anyway, he, he said, Hey, do you want to come with me to, you know, Ricardo's or whatever it's yeah. called? And I was like, sure. And I walked by and Hector goes, where are you going? He goes, I said, Andy invited me to Ricardo's. He goes, you're in now. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> when was that first moment for you? Oh, oh I don't know. You know, the, um, when I first started, um, coach, you know, was, was in that process of, of helping his sons and he was in Florida with them. And I remember when I first started, I, I think the first three or four months, I didn't even talk to him. And, and the first assignment he gave, uh, to me, I, kind of, I kind of botched that. And I remember telling my dad, I said, I'm not going to last long. I was <laughs> like, I've, I've talked to coach and, and, you know, I've been on the job for two months and we said maybe two words. And the first thing he asked me to do, he basically didn't even look at it and said that this was not what he wanted. And, um, but you know, I, I had a little bit different Avenue, Jason, because I, I had to be with them, you know, during training camp for all that setup. So I would say sometime during the training camp, um, you know, the dog days of training camp, just, right. you know, I got to eat with him every night at training camp because he had nowhere else to go and, and the, <laughs> doing the installs. And so I, uh, I got that a lot at training camp, but, um, but no, it, it, the first few months were a little rocky for me. So I'm, I'm glad I survived that. So once you're in, you're in though with him, is that like, 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 it's like, the well, mafia. Hey, like once you're Jason, in, you're in Jason, once you're in and, and, and Butch is picking you both up, you're in, right? Yeah, that's right. Butch is picking you both up. You're in. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so who's Butch? Butch was a security guard. It's Big Dom now, but before Big oh, Dom, it was, yeah. it was Butch, and Butch had all the Italian connections. And if if Butch was waiting outside for you and Coach, you were in. Oh, all right, I got you, I got you. Okay, um, all right. Well, we'll wrap up with a couple last things. Then, like, can you guys think of 
there's got to be like a good story between the two of you from back then. So like if you each have like a good story or maybe you guys come up with one together from back then of what it was like to be a young scout in Philly during that time, is there one? Oh, man, there's probably several. Uh, <laughs> it was such a, it was a great time there to, um, we were having a lot of success. We did a lot of things together. Uh, training camp was always fun. I, I just, there was and never a, there and that was up at Lehigh too, right? Like back then. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm at a loss of words right now for one. You got anything for us, Brett? Um, no, I mean, like, like Jason said, I mean, listen, it was, it was a good group and, you know, my early memories were, uh, stocking fridges, uh, full of beer for those guys, um, <laughs> making sure we did the, uh, making sure we did the beer runs and, um, but no, listen. I mean, it was it was a great staff, and and uh, you know a lot of personality in that building, and and a bunch of these guys went on to do great things. And Brett, you what, know, was it, the, it, it, Brett, what was the yeah. what was the what was the bar in Lehigh that we'd go to? Uh... <clears throat> we should have, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think because um, we used to when the players had the night off, we used to shut down that that whole restaurant bar area, had security the whole nine. I, I know exactly what you mean, but. You know, we probably should have touched base before the Zoom call. We, we should have. We should have. We should have. Yeah, yeah we, I'll think of it as soon, as soon as we hang up. But well, yeah. you got to tell me who got carried out of there because <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's the I. Uh, thing, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Like so. Like a couple last things. Then, like, do you think like both you guys kind of you know grew up in I guess coach coach centric you know systems. You for Jace, Jace, Jason for you in both. Um, you know, both in New England and in and in uh and in Philly, and then obviously for you, Brett, coming up with with Andy. Um, what do you got? What do you think you learned from Andy about the relationship between coaching and scouting? Because I always hear about how important that is, you know, and how important it is for the 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 scouts to know what the coaches want and for the coaches to work productively with the scouts. So that's one of the last things I want to wrap up with you guys on is kind of like maybe being around Andy, what you learned about what the relationship between coaching and scouting ideally should be. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that what it taught me there was now New England was a little different because, you know, um, there was no GM. It was Bill, you know, we Nick is the personnel director and Scott before him and vice president player personnel. But in New England, it, you learn that the GM and the head coach, if they aren't, on the same page and they don't get along they which they did every year there and so there was success on the field and if they don't get along and you see this all over the nfl and for several years you know you can go back several years if they don't get along that's when the team falls apart so the importance of that relationship and seeing eye to eye and being able to uh have a lot of conversations and being able to argue and and not get feelings hurt and come out of the room with a decision um is is so important and i'm lucky i have that here with bruce i mean we consider him very very close with him and i've mentioned that i don't think it's ever going to be replicated i mean it's just such a unique relationship i mean there'll be other good relationships in the future but this particular one is just so special and i know that brett and and andy have a special relationship too so i think that that is a key for uh, you know, down the road, owners looking to hire head coach, owner or head coach and GM. That just how important that relationship is. 
Yeah, that, that, that's so well put. Um, so there's no surprise when you look at Tampa and you look at Jason and, and BA's relationship and then you look at, you know, uh, the relationship that, that Coach and I have. You know, when you have that type of relationship, when you go through um, a full calendar year and you have, you know, not just the season, but then these free agency, uh, the free agent process and the draft process, when you have that relationship, you, you know, you have the trust. So when you come up with an idea or a game plan, you know, coach is going to know that you've done the work and he's going to trust you and your staff and he's not going to micromanage you. He's not going to, you know, want to look at every single player anymore. It's pretty much, um, you know, let me know what you think and, and, and talk me through your game plan. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll add my, my, my advice where I think it's needed, but, um, you know, with, with the, um, you know, that, cohesiveness and, and the years of experience working together, you know, just a lot of trust. And, and again, it's just something that spreads. So, you know, I'll, I'll treat coach uh, the same way I, I treat everyone. And when I'm meeting with Spags or, or EB, you know, they kind of operate like coach and, and, you know, it, it's hard to replicate that um, when you've been working together for so long, like, you know, I can only imagine these front offices with a, a coach in the GM that had, hadn't had a prior working relationship, what that must be like, you know, they all just to get up to speed, have to look at all the tape and, and try to come up with ideas and visions and plans. But, you know, the way Tampa set up now because of Jason's relationship with the head coach and the way we're set up here now, it's, um, you know, coach knows that, um, he has a lot of respect for, for what we do and he lets us do our thing. And, and certainly on our end, we know he's the best, you know, one of the best in the game. So when you operate like that and you're not micromanaging people and you're letting them do what they, what they do and you trust them, um, then, you know, you bring out the best in people and everyone can get to the position they need to be in, in regards to, you know, wins and losses on Sunday. It's almost like you're trying to see the thing through the same set of eyes, right? Like you're trying to see it as your coach would, but you're still okay disagreeing with each other, right? Like, is that the right way to look at it? Yeah, and, and not no one's worried about taking credit for things that, that went well. It's, you know, we all did it or, or you know, give it to somebody else. I don't care as long as it yeah. you know, as long as the end result is, is good. Absolutely. All right, last thing then. I'm going to give you guys a chance to kind of blow each other here. So uh, <laughs> uh, one thing that you guys admire about each other's rosters, like is there, if there's one thing that, Jason, you admire about – about Brett's roster, Brett. If there's one thing you admire about Jason Jason's roster, based on you know the like the the intricacies of these way these things are put together and how difficult it is to do, um, what would those one things be? Uh, Jason, why don't you start? Well, obviously you have to start with the speed and talent on offense, and um, they've got a pretty good quarterback. If you haven't heard of them, and um, <laughs> just just the overall talent is just you know in every position, and then. Um, defensively, um, they, how hard they play, just smart. They play smart. They play hard. Um, they, it's, it's, they, there's, you can tell that there's purpose and everybody's on the same page. So not only are they talented, you can just tell they're just very, very well coached. So, um, I know that they've done a good job of marrying those two things at Kansas city as good as anybody has done in a long, long time. All right, Brett. Well, you know, once obviously the quarterback's always the outlier uh, in this game. It, um, it, can you can you hear me? Because this is my connection's unstable. I had this issue. I got you. you we got, got you fine. Sorry yeah. about that. Um, obviously, you know, in this sport, the, the quarterback's the ultimate outlier. But if you had the um, if you had the scouting uh, 
handbook, right? The one-on-one for scouting, it, you know, built through the offense and defensive line. So you look at Tampa and I mean, they got a great offensive line and they got a defensive line that, you know, gave us problems the first game. So, um, you know, that's really the foundation you start for any building roster building concept is, is, you know, you got to win up, you know, you got to get the quarterback, but once that's taken care of, you got to build, you got to build good fronts and, and they have, Jason's done an outstanding job of putting together that offensive line and that defensive line. And, and, you know, that's going to be, you know, a, a big task for us, but um, you know, and, and you know what they've done again, I, I've said this before, just kind of looking at their drafts and, you know um, you know, the, the, the Minnesota safety and the, the central Michigan corner, those are two guys that, you know, I thought we were going to draft. And I, I told the guys when we were getting in draft a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, most of the league has this guy in the third round bunting. Now he'll be there, but, and Tampa took them. So that's what I was joking earlier. I was like, these guys have like the same board that you know, they have the same value in the guys. So, so it like uh, felt like Jason was like swiping them from you then. I can well, see it. But, but, I know that he's, I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate what he's saying, but we, the, the, the respect is mutual. Trust me. I could. Well, was there someone there, Jason, that he stole from you? Uh, I'm sure I know over the years, several times after Kansas City's picked, I've said, shit. So, um, I, you know, it's funny also in the draft, a lot of times the player, you have a player that you're focused on and he gets taken right before you pick and then you settle on another guy and then that guy becomes a really good player, but you don't want to, you don't want to talk about And the other guy gets cut after two years, but you you don't (laughs) ever want to, we don't ever want to bring those up. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's probably not a... It's probably not a mistake that you guys are looking for some of the same things, though, right? Like I would think, like it's probably like like the Murphy Bunning and the the uh, the Winfield example. That's probably not like completely by accident, right? Uh, like you Andy, it was probably are looking for some of the same things. Andy, my first uh, first time I really sat down and talked to him, what his you know what he looked for. You got to obviously the quarterback, but you know you need to build up your lines and you got to have good corners. So um, I we do kind of think alike, and uh, I know Bruce is of the same mindset. So. We are looking for the same things. Absolutely. All right. Well, sure. I'm not going to ask you guys. I'm not going to ask you guys for game picks because I think I know how that would go. So, um, he's Brett Veach, the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. Jason Light, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and former former Philadelphia Eagle scouts under Andy Reid. Pre- really appreciate you guys doing this. Thanks, Albert. Thanks, Al. All right. Thanks to Brett. Thanks to Jason. That was fantastic. If you guys want more of that, we can bring it to you. we got a long off-season ahead, so be sure to get me your feedback on this and all of our podcasts. Um, you can get me on Twitter, at Albert Breer, on Facebook, at Albert R. Breer, on Instagram, at Albert underscore Breer. Again, you want more of that? we got time now to do these sorts of things. Had a lot, a lot of fun doing that with Jason and Brett. And remember to subscribe to this podcast, to all of our podcasts. You guys know where to find us. That's me. That's jenny and connor on the weak side podcast that's the mmqb podcast with gary's monday morning podcast and the gambling podcast we're all on separate feeds now so you got the three feeds you got my feed you got jenny and connor's feed you got the mmqb feed you can find us on spotify stitcher TuneIn, google play apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your shows we are there next week we will be back to wrap up super bowl 55 i'll see you guys then.